You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Did I? You who know Psalm 23? Thank you. As I go further in this sermon, you'll find out it's only appropriate that that happened. Thanks. God has a keen sense of comedic timing. I mean, I can do it anyway. I I volunteered to preach this sermon. I asked to preach this sermon because I thought, oh, Psalm 23 is an old friend. This will be a slam dunk, easy sermon. Great. And turned out to be an old friend that will drag up stuff that needs to change in my life and not let me go until I give in. (laughs) You know, there are lots of great books and videos and sermons and all sorts of stuff on Psalm 23. Uh, Lots of people trying to figure out exactly what did King David have in his head? What did he see in his mind's eye in each of these phrases? And you know what? People have different ideas about that. I really can't wait to sit in eternity with David and hear him tell what he was thinking. But there's one thing that they all have in common. It all kind of boils down to this same thought. The more you grasp who God is and how he loves you, the more you feel like a well-cared-for sheep and a pampered guest. Interestingly, J.D. Walt in uh, Seedbed a few days ago wrote this really poignant sentence. Provision and protection are two areas of concern that threaten to consume our bandwidth, holding us in the gravity of our own fears. And the picture of our fears just pulling us down and holding us so we just can't barely even move. This psalm kind of hits that directly. So here's the point I'm trying to deeply ingest as I'm talking to you this morning. Pray and live. Fear, free from fear, in the abundant provision and protection that God God has for you. I'm going to say that again because I stumbled through it. Pray and live free from fear in the abundant provision and protection that God has for you. Here are some of those pictures and stories from Psalm 23 that have 
wiggled into my mind and soul. And I'm thinking as I'm quoting through Psalms now. So, the Lord is my shepherd. There's a great story about some London hikers going hiking in the Welsh mountains and coming across a shepherd who was reading Psalm 23. And uh, they kind of got in a conversation about it, and they said, hey, there's a pretty simple way that you can memorize Psalm 23, the first phrase anyway. It's five-finger method. The Lord is shepherd. So, uh, and, and notice the ring finger is that my word. You can kind of hold that to kind of claim it, right? The Lord is my shepherd. And they, they had a good talk, and the shepherd thanked them, and they went on their merry way. And a year later, they went back to that same area, and they were in a hostel. Uh, and the, the lady who was serving uh, pointed out a picture on the wall. And they said, oh, that's the shepherd we ran into last summer. How is he? Where is he? And she said, that's my son. We lost him last year because a sheep went over a cliff and he tried to save the sheep and he fell over the cliff too. She said, one thing we couldn't explain is when we found his body, he was holding his ring finger with his other hand. And uh, we never could figure that out. And the hiker said, we could explain that to you. And the mother got some comfort from knowing the five-finger method of memorizing the first phrase, right? It's a pretty poignant picture that hit me hard as I was preparing for this sermon. Ah, he makes me lie. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I shall not want. Yeah, of course, I try to skip that one. I shall not want. There are kind of two ways you can look at that phrase. Wow, look at all this abundant provision. I mean, it's more than I could possibly ever need. But the second way to look at it is I will be content with this provision. One shepherd wrote that he was always amazed how a few of his sheep would work and work and work and work to get across a fence from the really green, vibrant pastures that he had into the dirt pasture next door. Just wouldn't be content. So here's why I struggled with Psalm 23 in this sermon. Because as I was preparing all this and looking through all this, you have to know that we moved into our house in 2000. Uh, 13 because it had a brand new roof. It had a brand new air conditioning. Man, it was, had been freshly remodeled and we weren't going to have to mess with the thing for a long time because I hate maintenance. Well, while I was preparing this sermon, a major component of the air conditioning broke down. And while we were getting that fixed, I found out we have to have our entire roof replaced because it was installed incorrectly the first time. <sighs> and this old, mm, our money's going to run out, fear just came pouring in on me. It's not going to run out. I know that. It never has. But that fear starts gripping me. And the Lord started wheedling into my soul about this sermon. And I'll tell you more of that story later. I shall not want. Yeah. Because he makes me lie down in green pastures. Here's what Ray Vanderlaan says Somebody in the Judean desert who is tending sheep, when they say, we're taking the sheep to the green pastures, they mean that. That ain't green. Okay, maybe we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it was after the rainy season, and kind of that can look more like this for two or three months out of the year. There's a little bit of green there, but that is not... Uh, uh, you know, that's not bad photography. That is what it looks like in the best quality of this picture. I mean, we look at that and we think, that is not a green pasture compared to what we think of as a green pasture. But the point is, 
Sheep will not lie down until they've eaten their fill. And in either of those environments, there is enough there for a lot of sheep to walk through and eat their fill. Even if it doesn't look like it. The valley of the shadow of death. This is the part I left out earlier. I told my mom I was going to preach on this sermon. She said, oh, I love Psalm 23. Psalm 23 got me through some of the hardest, well, the hardest time of my life. I think many of you probably have stories similar to this. Tell each other these stories. They're great. So mom said, during that hardest time, the Lord kept prompting me to quote Psalm 23. And I quoted it, and I quoted it, and I quoted it, and I quoted it. And he started slowing me down. And I quoted it slower and slower. And pretty soon he slowed me on this one verse. And he had me go through that verse one word at a time. And I did. And I went through that verse one word at a time very slowly. And I felt him prompt me and say, stop. There. That's the word I have for you. Through. And she said, in that moment, the Lord just flooded me with confidence that he was going to get me through this. I was not stuck in this permanently. It was a through. She said, and we did. We got through. The rod and the staff. I don't. I'm not a shepherd. Haven't been over there. I'm kind of relying on the pictures of the people who have. One guy went and spent... Uh, a few weeks with shepherds. And he said he watched them with their rod. It's a short stick, has a leather strap attached to it, right? So it's more of a twirling thing than it is a quacking thing. And shepherds make their rod, they, they go out and they find it and they work on it and they work on it and they make it fit just their body style and their size and they, then they practice with it so that they can hit anything they want with that rod as far as they can possibly throw it, right? So it has a couple of purposes then. It can be used to fend off predators from a distance, but it can also be used if a sheep is heading towards a dumb place, a place where the sheep is going to get hurt, the shepherd can throw that rod and hit right in front of the sheep and scare it to go a different direction, right? So the shepherd doesn't have to be right next to the sheep to change the direction. And the staff, this is a a fun picture to me. So the staff has that little crick at the end. And again, shepherds make them fit their own personality and body size. But there are a couple interesting things about the staff that some people wrote about. If you hook that staff underneath the front legs of a sheep, they'll kind of relax and curl up just like a kitten does when you grab it by the nap of the neck. All right? So what that allows a shepherd to do is if a sheep falls into a pit, the shepherd can reach in with the crook, hook it, and pull it out and set it up. What one shepherd wrote is, you know, I had that happen one time and a bunch of sheep started piling in on top of each other. So I had to be quick about it. Reach in, grab one, set it out, whack it on the fanny so it would run away. Because if I set it out and didn't whack it, it would go right back into the pit. Yeah, the pictures of sheep aren't that bright. You know, we're, maybe you can kind of picture some of these images in your own life where the Lord's done these things to you or needs to. Huh. Uh, another good image that a shepherd gave of a shepherd using that crooked staff was sorting lambs during the birthing season and the shepherd would use that staff to pick up the lamb and put it next to its mother so that his scent did not get on the lamb so that the mother and the lamb would connect rather than the shepherd and the lamb and one guy wrote it's like watching a dance to watch a really skilled shepherd in the middle of a herd sitting out there sorting lambs to their sheep 
I don't know, it's just what I read. And that's a cool picture in my mind of, of how the Lord works in my life and many other stories I've heard from other people's lives. Well, then, then David shifts in Psalm 23, doesn't he? He goes away from a, a sheep metaphor, but he goes to another metaphor that he knew very well in that Bedouin society. And that was the metaphor of the host caring for a guest. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So in that society, when you take somebody into your tent, home, whatever that home looks like, and you say that you are going to have them as your guest, you are from that point responsible for all their well-being. That means in that society, a host would rather die than to face the embarrassment of their guest being injured or hurt in any way while they were in their home. So if a host takes you into, your, into his home or her home, his home, while your enemies are pursuing you, what that host is saying is, I'll take care of the enemies. Wow. Table before me in the presence of my enemies. And then I think David... So David was, you know, kind of in shepherd mode, but then he, he knew things from a king's perspective, too. And also, in a very rich home, especially if a king invited you in as an as a honored guest, when you walk in the door, your head gets anointed with oil, right? So he, he, it's this picture of not only this amazing defense of my life, but also this uh, pampering if you will. And then we get to my cup overflows. And you know, frankly, I've, I've kind of stumbled on that one my entire life, but I finally thought about it. Desert environment. Folks, probably many of you have not <clears throat> spent much time out in really, really hot weather. I used to lead backpacking trips in, 90, in the Ozarks, 90 degrees, 90% humidity. I have sat with people, we had to, while we were out, we had to treat our water, pump our water, whatever you had to do to get water, it took a lot of work. And I have sat with somebody and prayed, had the group pray while one person held the bottle, carefully screwed off the lid, and held it while another person carefully poured treated water into it without spilling a drop. In, in a hot environment, Liquid is life. You don't waste it. Uh, as a matter of fact, in a desert environment, it is impossible to drink enough water during the day to stay hydrated. You have to wake up at night and drink water also. So to imagine being in an environment in the middle of a desert where your host is so extravagant and so well provided that the pitcher just keeps going when the cup is full and kind of overflows and splashes out, that is a lot of provision. That's showing off how much we have. <laughs> Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me. So we're back to that sheep metaphor. All us dumb sheep looking back in the herd. Oh, well, at least he's still here, so we're well cared for. But another picture came to my mind this last week. Because I, I bike ride with my five-year-old daughter. And I can do that because she listens to me. The way we ride now is she rides in front and I ride in back. And oftentimes I'll hear her going along singing. And she's kind of doing that, right? And I'm behind her doing this. 
And I'm watching all over, staying as situationally aware as I can of all the traffic patterns, you know, making sure we're making good communication with all people. I wave at people before we cross in front of them to make sure they wave back. And she's just going along and having a great time, just doing what her dad tells her to do. She's starting to get a little more cognizant of the danger, but she knows, and she'll say it. Yes, Dad, I have to listen to you because I might die out here. All right? But the other day, we were riding along, and I told her, Honey, here, here's really, I can kind of summarize my goal, what I'm trying to do while I'm riding along with you. Because what I want is while you're bike riding and for the rest of your life, for you to function completely the way you were designed to function. I want your body to function that way. I want your mind to function that way. I want your spirit to function that way. So while we're riding together, I'm doing everything in my power to make it so that that happens in all of our moments together. And sometimes... When I say something to one of my children, the Lord kind of taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, you know what you just said to your child? That's what I'm saying to you. So, yeah, I've got somebody following me the entire time who cares more about my welfare than I do. We all do. Well, now for the rest of the story. <clears throat> so, when I memorize Psalm 23, <laughs> whether you believe that or not, uh, it, March 23rd, 2011, right? And I went back. Part of, of what I was doing was I, I, I went to Jake because I told Jake, Jake, I'm really struggling with this. How can I preach Psalm 23 with being ethical in front of people when I'm really struggling, kind of shaking my fist at, Lord, we're going back into the this isn't provision mode? He said, Yeah. Sounds like you've got some soul work to do before you can preach this sermon. Great. Thanks, Jake. So I chewed on it for a few days. I was trying to work through, okay, well, Lord, how do I get rid of that deep down thought and, and, and really believe what Psalm 23 says? And I went and had a conversation with my wife. Uh, so here's what I said to Colette. Colette, I have a hard time preaching Psalm 23 because deep down I still view the years 2012 through 2016 as abandonment by God. Regardless of what I tell myself about those years and how many times I try not to think that, I do still think that deep down. How do I change that? And, and Colette said, well, you have a hard time viewing those years as God's leading because they were hard and did not look like what you wanted them to look like or what you thought they should look like. But God provided us a good job. He provided good insurance during a time of major illness. And David, you were also on a very important mission field, even if you didn't like it. And then she said this, God's leading is God's leading, whether or not we are go willingly and are thankful while we're in it. So David, what are you saying to the Apostle Paul and to our brothers and sisters who are in prison around the world. If God calls you to do something uncomfortable, he is abandoning you? Fanny kicking provided by Colette. So as I wrestled with my junk that was deep down, I went back and I, I looked at my journal from March 23rd, 2011. And here's what was happening that day. I was leading a wilderness trip. It was full of men. 
who wanted to really get to know the Lord. And that morning after I came down out of the woods, uh, my co-leader and I decided, well, actually those, those men asked, hey, can we spend two hours alone with the Lord this morning? Because we just feel like we need that. Wow, that was a pretty unusual request from a challenge group. And we said, sure. So while they were out, we kind of modified the itinerary a little bit. And we decided we would give them a five-mile destination, which is a little easier, just to kind of reward them uh, for, for making that choice that morning. They came back. And what I wrote that night in my journal was, hmm, Lord, we did 14 of the hardest miles I've ever done in my life to make those five miles. Lots of interesting detours. Saw some country I've never seen before. Those, those men had some pretty challenging thoughts about leadership and followership that day in the middle of that struggle. Getting lost is not fun. Uh, and I, I was questioning, Lord, why on a day when we are all maybe closer to you than we have ever been and before in our lives and really seeking you hard, why would it be one of the hardest days we've had? And I thought, oh, yeah, duh, I'm a facilitator. I think that growth takes challenge. So I guess if, you're, if you've got a bunch of people looking at you saying, we're re ready to grow, well, you pull out the biggest challenge you have for them. And, and reading that about that day in March 2011, which, by the way, in March 2011, I probably believed Psalm 23 deeper, deeper down in my life than it ever before in my life. I hope to get back there. And here we are, seven years later, after a really, really hard time. And uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that every hard thing you go through is the Lord leading you into a test. Because we know that we sometimes get our own <coughs> into predicaments. If you can't see this very well from out there, this is a picture that my brother-in-law took of a calf that he found in a field that had wedged its head in a fork in a tree. You ever done something like that? Here, here's the cool thing my brother-in-law said. He said, you know what? All that calf had to do once it put its head in there was to look up, and it would have been free. But it didn't. It got mad and put its head down and bowled up and started fighting and wedged itself further in. It got itself so stuck, he tried to help it out by hand, he couldn't. And he finally had to go get a chainsaw and cut off one of those sides of the tree. He said that calf, by the time it came loose, it was so terrified and mad because of that chainsaw right next to its head. Think about a chainsaw right next to your head, right? And the vibration from that chainsaw to get unstuck. It, it was so mad by the time it got free that it was charging at anything that was around. Hmm. Can you relate? You've done that in your life? You're praying for people you know who are doing that in their life right now? Yeah. We also know that life happens to the righteous and the unrighteous. Right? If a tornado comes through, it doesn't go, oh, there's somebody who goes to church, I'll skip their house. There's a sinner, I'll wipe out that house. I'll skip the, you know, there's somebody who follows Jesus, I'll skip that house. No, it's just life, life happens. 
So there are all sorts of reasons why we have challenge in our life. All I'm saying is that I had to do some deep soul work with Psalm 23, even though I've known it for years, and come to the conclusion of what I'm going to tell myself and others from now on about 2012 through 2016. Yes, those were very challenging years in my life, and the Lord's provision and protection was ample. It was abundant. And, and towards the end of those years, I did live, learn to live into the peace that is beyond comprehension, that is always available to us. So I can look you in the eye and preach this sermon because Psalm 23 kind of got in and did its digging out work and dug out some infection and, and healed it. What's the point? Pray. Pray and live free from fear in the abundant provision and protection that God has for you, right? Whatever it takes for you to do that. Listen to the creative team Psalm 23 song on the app. Yeah, Google how to memorize Psalm 23. It's amazing how many people have come up with fun ways to memorize Psalm 23 and have those challenging conversations with people around you who you trust. Do whatever it takes to digest and live the truth Psalm 23 proclaims. As our ushers come forward, we're going to have an opportunity to do that. I mean, tithing and giving perhaps are some of the most poignant tools that God gives us to say, okay, Lord, I completely trust in your provision. I'm not going to cling to this because I know there's always more. Thank you, Father.